You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome. All right. David Hall. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Talladega Week. Greg Hectus. I'm here, but not here. All right. And Tony Groves. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Well, this week's episode, we'll be exploring if NASCAR may be looking for a new console game developer. We see a dominant performance in the Skip Barber iRacing Formula Racing Series and ask, what would iRacing be like without in-game voice chat? And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stay on the limit longer. We're going to open up the topics tonight with next patch clues. We have a tweet from Tyler Hudson. He posted a video clue of what's coming up in the next patch. And just based on the video, uh, I don't really have any guesses, but a lot of people are saying uh, maybe a new damage model on the next gen. Yeah. I mean, it is a picture of a rack of two cars that happen to be an A car. Um, it also is a picture of Texas. So uh, I don't know. I mean, um, there's 44 replies to the tweet. Uh, what do you What do you guys think? Was it what do we think, or what do we want, or what do we hope for? What is Tyler trying to give yes. us a clue about? There's been a lot of talk in in the in game server that everybody thinks it's going to be damage model, um, but we, we don't have any official confirmation of that. Uh, a couple of other guesses in the replies had to do with with PMJ, right? Or PJ one yeah. PJ one that that option. Those are, those are kind of the two biggest guesses. Well, PJ1, who cares? But damage model, bring it on. We've only been waiting like seven years for this thing. So let's let's talk a time, timeline here. So this tweet came out, I think, I don't know, Friday or something, early in our week. And then we heard from iRacing they are going to do a patch. Um, and it was supposed to be this morning. But then I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, they decided, you know what, we're going to postpone that fat, uh, patch to some future date. 
So what was in the patch? Uh, probably what uh, this video is alluding to. Um, you know, I think Tony Rochette was pretty sure it was a new damage model, and he was, you know, not gnashing teeth, of course. Can't really see any parts flying off though in the in the in the clip. Uh, Dave, Dave, you, you kind of stole my thunder with that. I mean, if you're if you're going to tease a damage model um, update, the wreck that they show on this video does not show a whole lot of damage. I mean, it's it's cars that are you know that are um, out of control when they hit the wall, but you know you don't see parts flying off. You don't see really heavy crushing damage on the cars that do it. But there is a big black streak for where that PJ one is. Um, so if I were to guess, I'm going with PJ one. But I don't know. It's hard to tell from this video. Now, one one member tweeted it would be great that the sprint car and midget might be fixed, and then Tyler Hutchins throws a a gif of the uh, winged cars heading around, the sprint cars heading around as well, and says, "Here's your clue." So that's there's there's I guess something to do with them as well involved in the patch. Are they waiting on a damage model? Um, I don't think so. There's a the dirt community is just kind of disgruntled with how dirt's handling i don't i don't know the details i mean we ran it last week but how many of us really know dirt well i know um Nibon youtube channel he was not he was throwing punches he was saying that something's broke where people were riding the wall and getting better times and yeah anyway i was confused i have no idea what it was uh, the patch was about so we'll have to wait and see on that one this yeah, next one Interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what it is based on this video. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say with this kind of tease, it better be worth something decent. <laughs> Especially if, with the long delay. Um, sh hop on our Discord and shoot us your best guesses. Uh, drop in and, and let us know what you think. But uh, moving on from that, uh, this was kind of funny for anybody who has experienced the uh, chat ban hammer. Um, the the title headline is iRacing without voice chat. What do you think of this, Tony? I, that's kind of how I experience iRacing as it is now. I haven't been banned, but uh, most of the time it's on mute, so I don't hear nothing, anyways. No, I don't think uh, I don't think it would be very good to to remove voice chat, but um, I can see why a lot of people would want it gone. Yeah. So this was. Uh topic it came up in a couple different places this week i mean brian blackford started on twitter the conversation what if iRacing removed voice chat and uh he got a a lot of discussion a lot of people said the same thing tony said uh hey i don't even listen to it at all not none i kind of find it entertaining because i've done a better job of staying out of the arguments than i used to in the past and um People, man, it's it, hearing the other people get just as mad, and and, and it, especially under cautions, it, it does kind of almost brighten my day to hear them argue. I think, you know, I think we underestimate how important it is. I think that it builds the community more than you think, because you race with the same people, you know, race after race, year after year, you get to know them. You enter a server and you look at the driver list and you see people you've raced before, you know the sound of their voice even. And so to imagine you've never had those conversations, to get to know those people over the years, would there be such a community that we have now? I don't think there would be. So I, I, I think it's key. And even on the negative side, we can't uh, 
whether we decide to leave our helmet on or not, go up to somebody and, and deal with it in person. Right. So, uh, having the voice chat, at least let gives you a, a, a valve, a steam valve. Well, well, to me, to me, um, voice chat is just like a microcosm of social media in general. It has a, has a really good, um, a really good uh, aspect to it that, uh, that re- can really be beneficial, but there's a lot of bad stuff that comes along with it. So, um, you know, you have to, if, if it's something that you do listen to, um, it's really something that you should, uh, take, take with a grain of salt. Um, I think that, uh, another thing I, I, I believe with the voice chat is it can be very informative. You know, if you don't have that, you can't communicate with the other drivers about stuff that's important to the actual race you're in. You know, if somebody's pitting and they're trying to give some, somebody some warning, you know, you can't without a voice chat, that's really tough to do, especially, you know, you can keyboard map it and stuff like that, but that's so hard to do if you're in VR or something like that. Um, it's so much easier I, just to key in and say, Hey, I'm, I'm pitting this lap as for the guy who's riding my bumper. Uh, you know, you might want to be careful. I, I can't read voice chat or I can't read the text chat while I'm racing, especially right. at, at a, at a shorter track. So I'm not even going to even take my gaze off the, the, the track for long enough to read some text up there. I can't under caution, but not during the race. Um, and here this week at Dega, you know, when, when you get a long enough run that you start to get green flag pit stops, you kind of have to coordinate when you're going to go on there, unless you have enough of your, your guys on team speak in the same split that you can kind of stealth pit. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you're at a disadvantage if you don't have voice chat on, at at any NASCAR track, I'm going to say because, like David says, that if to hear the guy three two cars in front of you, about to pit, about to pit, if you don't hear that verbally, then you don't know. You might run into the back of him, and so that's a disadvantage. And why would you want a disadvantage? I mean, we do all the third party software, we do all these different things just to gain this much advantage. Okay, and so don't give up this advantage too. Right. And you just have to, you know, you just have to tolerate the nonsense for the stuff that's really important like that. Martinsville, you hear somebody over the the chat say, caution, caution, tracks blocked, everyone stop. Now, if you didn't hear that, you'd probably just pile in, you know, I mean, those kind of things are, will save your race. They really will. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like a, a you know a necessary evil, but like you guys pointed out, it's it, all the green flag stuff. Um, it, it's kind of key to have it on, and um, you're most definitely going to be lost uh, at some time. I would have to say during any race that you race, you're going to use that voice chat, uh, whether it's just listening or it's um, you know talking as well. But yeah, when that yellow flag flies, though. My hand is uh, quick to that that mute button. Right, was, when it's yellow, you let them argue, right? Oh yeah, I was a little guilty of being a good Samaritan last night. Even we had we had a caution come out on the before we even got to the yellow. A guy missed missed a shift. I don't know. I don't know how you do that with a sequential, but some maybe it's he went the wrong direction, right? Something like that happened in in the field. When that happens, some of the guys are going to be told to wait on the pace car and have to start. Uh, tail into the lead lap and wait on the wave around. Um, and I went ahead and chimed in and said, "Hey, you don't want to pit if if you have if you end up behind the pace car, having to wait because you'll get stuck a lap down." Now, 
interestingly, there was a, another podcast out there called Area 51 Alien Factory, and they did a topic on iRacing Radio. In, is it a toxic dumpster fire? And so Mike Howerton and his team over there um, had the same discussion we're having. Uh, you know, how bad is it, you know, here in 2022, especially um, when people get into, you know, arguments and wrecks and who who did what and blaming. And, and, and their take was, hey, uh, you know, let's not talk about it until I see the replay. Let, let's chat after the race. And, and the other guy was like, you know, I'm going to be on mute. Uh, most of the time, and I probably wouldn't even have heard it. it. Waiting on the replay sometimes is a good idea, but sometimes a guy hits you, and you just know you already know that that's just how that guy drives. You don't, and you're not going to need the replay to know exactly what happened. Right, in an instance like that, you know, you're already judging the guy with his past performance, and uh, you're not going to cut him any breaks anyway. You're always going to assume because you've seen his replays before where he's, he's done some dumb stuff. Um, you know, you've already have that as a, uh, as a prejudging of his actions, you know? Yeah. But Brian's point, I mean, last night was a good example. I was in a room where one particular guy, you know, got wrecked or something and he was whining. I mean, like to the point where other drivers were like, holding down their mic button to override what the guy was saying. So he couldn't talk anymore because everyone got so sick of hearing him. And it's interesting how uh, the drivers will be in a group against a particular person, you know, in the voice chat because of whatever happens, you know, the guy is whining because he got wrecked or because maybe he's cussing or maybe he's, spamming the chat with with music. I've, I've seen that before where somebody's playing music into the chat. So uh, everyone was just pushing their button down so the guy couldn't talk. And I definitely have a button key, uh, queued up where, that will mute whoever's talking individually. It bugs out sometimes in the really large fields if somebody's car number is really high, but uh, for the most part it works and is handy if somebody just rambles on and on and on. Do you guys... um? Do you guys notice that if if the uh, the people who are more active on the chats and and do are a little bit more aggressive with language and stuff like that, does that tend more towards younger drivers? In your opinion, um, yeah, I have a I have a have an ongoing theory that you know a lot of these young young kids who are growing up in in the, this is the way they communicate. They've done it through uh, whatever. Um, you know, first-person shooters or whatever games they've been using over the years. This is just the way they develop their uh, their way of communicating online. You know, it's it's very it's very uh, free and aggressive and open. And um, you know, in in my my case, you know, I'm an older guy. I, I didn't I didn't um, come up talking to people like that. And uh, so I don't. You know, that's not the way I conduct myself on on the uh, on the race chat. I don't really know if it's an absolute trend because we've got some older guys who just never shut up. I found that a, a nice medium to this whole thing is when you get into a room in the first few laps, you'll quickly determine who's in the room talking the most. That one guy who talks more than anybody else, mute him. Just right click on his name as it's coming up, mute. Everyone else, don't mute. That way you're, you're still hearing the chat. You're still hearing the voice chat. 
just the guy that's spamming you is not, you know, in your ear the whole race. And that's a great medium. That's a good tool, Mike. That's a, that's a good, good way to do it. All right. Well, we beat that horse pretty good. Um, how about the March top 10? Who gave this video a watch? Should have called this the, Mar uh, the March uh, top 10 deja vu. Yeah, just like all their videos, right? Well, there's a couple here. Like I'm, I'm watching one right now. It's the uh, uh, the two cars going through those uh, S's side by side, you know, the purple and the red. And then they had the uh, uh, you know the very uh, stylized pit stop with the uh, with the open wheeler. Uh, we yeah, already that covered the, that uh, one. I, we're not surprised that one made it, right? Yeah, and the one Tony's talking about, I think, was the Canadian uh, Porsche Series race that we talked about too. They had on. Yeah, that's but it. There was still some other really cool stuff on there. Um, uh, I, I, the, there was a Crandon race with uh, three trucks finishing like almost dead even at the end of the of a of a um, pro truck race at Crandon. That was really cool because those guys so could have easily taken each other out on those last turns, sliding into each other. But they were very respectful for the most part, and, and just came down to a, a fantastic finish. Those trucks are so forgiving, though. They make you look good because. You couldn't spit them out if you tried. Almost, I mean, they're they're very forgiving, so they, they make it look uh, great. I like the pack of Maz, Mazdas at the Nordschleife. Uh, yeah, I was just know, about to bring that up. Of them. Man, they're pack just, like, racing all at that big track. Other. Yeah, six of them, and they're just they're <laughs> like you said, they're all they're all over each other, but in a very good way. Like they're not beating and banging. They're just they're that's some tight, tight, clean racing. Yeah, throw a blanket over them, right? And uh, it reminds you of the Talladega pack, but it's on a road course. It's crazy. But, yeah, we've seen most of these videos already because, obviously, what they do is the good ones they put out on the social media, um, you know, as, as one-off clips. And then, you know, they obviously all make the YouTube video at the end of the month. One thing was cool is uh, they had a video of a really good finish at a um, SK modified uh, uh, race, which is an, an underutilized series for uh, highlights. You know, you don't typically see too many highlights in those modified cars. Yeah, and they had the barrel roll at Atlanta where the guy went underneath the car as it was going barrel rolling. That was a neat one. So their number one pick for the uh, month of March was um, – a uh, Formula V race at Lime Rock, and uh, four cars finished side by side by side by side at the finish line, which is a uh, pretty cool. Those Formula Vs, I've raced them at um, Lime Rock before. They they really draft well. You can really pull pull a car in front of you when you're drafting because they kind of max out in top speed real quick when you get a decent straightaway, and uh, so they all just kind of bunched up together right at the end. All right, let's hit the big one. We got a NASCAR Motorsports Games possible split. Uh, we, multiple sources have told SGO that uh, NASCAR has act, is actively looking for ways to get out of its current agreement with Motorsports Games. The uh, sources are saying that NASCAR would like to bring its license to a different publisher and developer in the next couple of years. And essentially, this comes down to the absolute flop that 2021 NASCAR was. Right. Well, it was it was worse than a flop. It was just technically, technologically, it was just god awful. The the glitches, the problems were just terrible. I mean, it's bad enough that it, it didn't sell very well, but 
but just the unfinished, unprofessional looking product that they released was, uh, I think was the real thing that probably made NASCAR, uh, look, look a little bit into this relationship they have with, uh, motorsport games. They're not even promoting it on the broadcasts. Yeah, that is that is how you define a dumpster fire. Now, just now that's one reason. Now let me give you a different reason that NASCAR would want out of this deal. 2021 was not a bright year for motorsport games. Their empire, which includes Motor One and Motorsport.com, the gaming division lost 33.7 million. It admitted in the latest financial report just two weeks ago that it didn't quote believe the existing cash on hand will be sufficient to fund its operations for at least the next 12 months, quote. So they're going out of business because they don't have any money. And is that really who you want to be in business with to make your video game? No, it isn't. Well, if you're going out of business, you certainly don't want um, one of your major sponsors to start pulling any pulling out, you know, that's, that's just not going to work. Well, well not it's to all, mention- go ahead. So I was gonna say, like they're they're getting um, you know, they're getting sued by a lot of people too, right? So that's gonna you know play into it as well. It's just uh, bookend this is just one big one big black mark. Yeah, and so don't forget that IndyCar and the new 2023 IndyCar game is supposed to be through this company, and then don't forget that this company bought the rights to the 24 Hour of Le Mans, and they are. They own that, too. There's a so, ton of reporting on this this week. Um, on, I secretly, you know, if am thinking, does this mean we can, if, if that deal gets scrapped, can we go back to actually having an official 24-hour of Le Mans on iRacing? Well, they, I wouldn't they have, see why not. I mean, would all those deals go null and void? I would assume so, yeah. You know, it, but... The iRacing tie-in here is, obviously, iRacing is putting out a console game. They're prepared for it. They have they bought the resources to take care of it. They bought a game company called Monster Games, which did the Stewart, uh, the Tony Stewart Racing one. So, so they're all ready to do it. NASCAR is already in partnership with iRacing. And so forth. So it makes sense that they want to leave this dumpster fire of uh, motorsport games, and and maybe perhaps do business with iRacing and have iRacing make their NASCAR uh, console game, or I should say Monster Games, which is associated with iRacing. And I, I don't know all the legal legalese behind contracts and the quality of games and such because we know all the problems that have happened over the years with EA Sports, but. Uh, I'm curious if if the contract in, involves the quality of the product at all what, that came out with 2021, if that gives them an out or not. Well, it would be a bad contract if it didn't have some kind of out like that, right? So a couple of YouTube channels have done some research on this and, and have paperwork to back it up, including... Um, we have links to the Miami-Dade clerk county court with actual lawsuits um i think there's at least four different links here to four different lawsuits of this company being sued by the people you know their customers of product they're not delivering and that kind of thing 
there was another video out there uh, from another channel. Um, they went over the material as well. So it's multi-sourced and it's obviously happening. Uh, the, the big question is I went through and read everything, including the comments. My takeaway was it, it feels like NASCAR is going to be stuck with this company for one more game. But beyond that, it looks like everything's going to fall apart. That was my takeaway. Yeah, but if if they're running short on resources, as it looks like they are, I mean, what kind of what kind of product are they going to be able to put out? You know, next year. I mean, is it going to be just a just a um, like a, a season update from the twenty twenty one game and just that and just keep it as bare minimum as possible? Are they going to redo any of the uh, any of the physics or anything like that? I would doubt it. Um, if they're on a real tight budget like that, but um, I also think that they—I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome all of the technical problems they've had. I mean, just the game was a joke when it was released. Well, I, as was like previous mentioned, like they don't—they don't have enough working capital to keep the doors open for twelve months. You know, like they, they'd be pushing a new game, um, you know, within that that amount of time, at least for the for the NASCAR, but. Um, yeah, that would just make me question like everything that you just said, Brian, like <laughs> what are they going to offer? And yikes. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of money to build that stuff. And if you're not going to get that return, like, geez. Yeah. And then there was a nice, uh, article on sportsgamersonline.com where they break it down in writing, uh, what's going on with all this and, and how NASCAR is trying to get out of the deal. It's, they've been trying to get out of it for six months, apparently. Well, I'm sure blame? they're going to... Well, absolutely. I'm sure they're going to find a way out. I mean, they got to get a way out. they got to distance themselves far away from this. This is a far cry. Like, we're not... Like, um, I think, uh, Brian, you mentioned that they don't even talk about it. And it was the last year, the year before with the Heat games, like it was all over the place. They're constantly pushing on social media. Is that the commercials, um, you know, showing the, the, the racing in the, in the simulators with the Heat. Um, that was almost normal just to see all that. But yeah, we, we haven't seen Boo about this or about uh, uh, that ignition garbage. Well, well thank, thank God that NASCAR didn't like promote it anyway, you know, just out of because they've spent the money and think, you know, that th it's good that they recognized it was bad and that they, they didn't like, you know, push it. Now let's talk a little bit about the future. Like if this all played out, like I was saying, where iRacing ends up making a console game, you know, NASCAR 2023 or whatever. And does that really make like a proper ladder system to get people onto the real iRacing platform? I think it does. I mean, you know, especially if, you know, it's the same physics, it's the same cars, it's the same laser track scans, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it'd be a natural progression, you know, get the people hooked on the console. They want to get serious. They go get a PC. It's definitely going to be better because they're going to be able to cross promote, right? And uh, that's one of the, th the thing that the console game and, and even cheaper, uh, uh, just games on on a PC can can bring you to is it can it can bring in the fan who doesn't who's not ready to 
immediately jump in a five hundred to a thousand dollar rig and start i racing, right? Um, put uh, get one of the cheaper two hundred dollar wheels in the console game and and go racing. Yeah, they might not want the monthly subscription. I mean, that scares a lot of people. Um, but when you get hooked, I mean, you know, you know, you go start buying equipment and buy a build a computer and the the monthly subscription's the cheap part, you know. <laughs> it can get away from you really quick, right, Mike? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Our goal on this podcast is to spend each other's money, right? Well, you don't have to spend any money if you uh, run into Tyler Hudson this weekend. How about that? Oh, Go ahead, I Tony. don't know. I was going to say, I, th- I think you got to spend at least a dollar. Oh, that's right. So it's a $1 uh, in general admission uh, to the race track where Tyler will be racing. And he has care packages of iRacing memberships with a hat. And he's got a box of hats. He's got the cards with the membership. And if you go to this track and uh, find uh, Mr. Tyler Hudson, I bet you he will give you a hat and a membership. This is Jackson Motor Speedway in Byram, Mississippi. Mississippi's not too far from here, but I don't know which part of Mississippi that is. I'll have to Google that. Well, did you all just assume he lived in Boston? No, he actually lives in Mississippi and does all all his work remote. Say, that's a hell of a commute. (laughs) That's a... It's a pretty hefty stack of uh, memberships he's got there, too. It's like a box uh, uh, of hats. There's probably 50 hats in there. So, yeah, he's got a lot to give out. Yeah, but you might want to. It might be worth your trip, David, to go, <laughs> go check that race out. I mean, if it's not that far, you can get like, you know, a hundred dollar subscription. Not just that, quite frankly, it'd be an honor to meet Tyler in person. There you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, and a hat. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going for the hat. Yeah, I just want to not wear hats. I'll take the subscription, sure. But you you know how much we've talked about how much more money we have in our rigs than the subscription. Well, he's not not giving out a you know PS ones or nothing. He's giving out twenty five dollar hats. If if he's giving out forty eight supers, I'm there, or forty (laughs) eighty supers. It's probably one of those cards that are only good for new members. Yeah, probably. Well, we'll get. Let's get on to the next topic. We got Logitech G with a 23XI partnership. They're already partners with 20XI Racing's Bubba, uh, Bubba Wallace in the real world. They've also been sponsoring Mitchell DeJong in the Enas Car, and now they'll be working with 23XI as the official partner, as well as together with the team owner himself, Denny Hamlin. Yeah, Denny personally. Um talking on social media about Logitech and how when he got started in NASCAR and, and did really good at Homestead, it was because he was doing sim racing uh, with Logitech equipment. And uh, that's, that was his uh, personal, you know, story about it. I thought it was cool. I like to see these companies like Logitech. I'd like to see more jump on and, and have such a, um, uh, you know, such a big showing in racing I mean, spend a lot of money with their with their stuff um it, it's nice to see them kind of you know throwing it back and um helping helping the sport really it helps themselves as well but it's good yeah we haven't just been seeing iRacing racing on the cars of the track uh we've uh, been seeing hard uh sim hardware 
out on the track as well, right? Is it Sim Seats that has actually been on a Nashville car? I mean, not a Nashville car, an Xfinity car. Yeah, Alfredo. So, so I remember the NASCAR Invitational, and uh, now Logitech is a fine piece of equipment. I had one for many years; it held up. Um, it was a solid piece of equipment. But I don't remember Denny using a Logitech on that hundred no. grand rig that he had in his room. Um, so he had a SimCraft, yeah, yeah. motion rig. <laughs> I'm not bad math on Logitech. It's it's a fine product. It really is. It's but, great uh, for the entry level driver. Yeah, yeah, but I do not remember seeing that on his rig when he was racing. That was that was pre his endorsement deal or his uh, partnership deal. But uh, yeah, I like to see his rig now. See what's on there. See, that's what they got. They got to pair those uh, one year subscriptions with a Logitech wheel setup. Now there, now you're getting somewhere. That'll get them hooked. Heck yeah, it would. The yeah, track lo- and- Go ahead. No, I was just gonna. Just say like you know like what uh, what Brian said. Logitech wheels are freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> I I draw I used one for like three four years. It never once ever let me down. It's still going. You know I have two, I've had two wheels in my life: the DD one and then the Logitech G twenty seven. It still works. It's in the garage. I mean I I I was smart enough to buy my second wheel before the first wheel died. So if my wheel ever dies, I could always pull out the old G27 and plug it back in, I'm sure. The one question, though, that's really critical is does it have uh, child power switch protection? So there was a good article by Traxian.gg about this as well. He, uh, Justin Melillo was the author, and he pointed out that at the Daytona 500 weekend, um, at the eNASCAR arcade hauler, Logitech uh, branded items were being given out to all the NASCAR fans. They were, um, they had like a wristband and a hand sanitizer, you know. With but of course it says Logitech on it. But you know, even those kind of things, trying to activate sponsorship, just handing out stuff, you know, to to all the fans, just so they hear the name, they see the name. You know, just be, you know, brand awareness, right? Well, this one probably that we're going to talk about next probably will make the April uh, top 10, don't you think? It might. Um, and then somebody was saying it might make all of Dale Jr.'s podcast as well, because it is Dale Jr. who won and moon in the Moon Car League. Pretty cool video. Um, shows like the final restart, you know, coming to the checker. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is... Right there in the mix, he's actually second on the bottom uh, as they come green. They kind of wreck behind him on the white. Um, there's a few cars out there left, and Dale makes the right moves. They wreck again, and he ends up upside down, flipping over at the line and wins the race, like upside down. While, or, or Actually, it wasn't quite upside down, but the car was in the air as he crossed the line. Yeah, his, uh, his bumper his bumper actually crosses the line first as it's as he's starting to get airborne. These eighty sevens at Tally, you can certainly uh get them airborne with the right setup in these cars. And at the end of that, once that was all done, he gave he gave a pretty good and a lot longer than I had expected uh little interview. Yeah, kinda neat to hear from him and uh he th- throw a little praise out to to Mooncar, 
um, that he likes, you know, what he's got going on here in the sim. A um, lot of, lot of hype around it. I think most of the iRacing that Dale is doing now is mostly leagues. I think he's kind of gotten tired of the toxic uh, voice chat, in fact, in, in official races. I haven't seen him in official races. So you're right. Every time we see him in one, he's usually in a league. Neat video, though. And no, no other cars get airborne quite as cool as those 87s. <laughs> when, when they turn sideways at a high speed track they just take off and it's really really spectacular to look at and i gotta say it again i mean what a neat opportunity for everyone who is in the mix there racing dale jr for the win at talladega i mean just to say you know man i was leading him to the white and blah 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 man that's cool we've got a celebrity sighting we'll talk about a little bit later i think in results right all, all of sure. this, all of the celebrity getting to race with him, you know, it's just one of the neat things about iRacing is the chance, whether, whether it's a pro driver, a Coke driver, or some celebrity that does something else, but, but likes iRacing. It's always really fun. Next thing we've got is a new track coming. Brian, why don't you take this one? Yeah. So, uh, looks like, uh, iRacing has, uh, spilled the beans that they're, uh, getting ready to release a new track. Um, it is uh, uh, in France, as they uh, as they um, as they tout on the uh, teaser, and uh, looks like it's um, the longtime home of the French Grand Prix. Uh, Magny Cru is how I'm pronouncing it, whether Coors. it's right or not. Core. Okay. Okay. Well, I thought I, I didn't know they pronounced hard R's in French that much. <laughs> But yeah, so it's a new track. They got the laser scan uh, highlights of it on their website. And uh, yeah, it's coming soon. Later this year, um, there is a quote from Steve Myers. I'll read it. It says, as we continue to add premier European road racing circuits to iRacing, we felt that the Magni Coors was a natural fit to join the service, said Steve Myers. It's long history as a host of the French Grand Prix, Plus, its frequent use in various GT and Junior Formula Championships make it an important addition for those looking to get the most of their time in our open wheel and sports cars on iRacing. We look forward to Magni Coors joining the iRacing track family later this year and can't wait for our user to be able to experience it. Yeah, so this uh, track was initially built in 1961, um, and uh, it is a 2.7-mile, uh, a 17-turn layout. Um, so, uh, it had been changed all the way up to 2003, uh, when the final chicane were reshaped to facilitate passing at the start finish line. And that was, um, so yeah, so pretty cool track looks like, uh, for those guys who, uh, who love, uh, these classic Grand Prix tracks. I didn't realize how much the Grand Prix tracks were missing for my racing with, with all the road courses that are in there. Well, it seems like they're really stacking up these F1 tracks. Um, you know, we're getting more and more of them. And, you know, we, I think there's – I was just thinking, do we have enough to really run an F1 championship? I think we do. And they, they probably wouldn't be doing this unless they felt comfortable that they're going to have uh, a good, good access to some kind of F1 car for the near future. They've already announced they got the, the one car, so the Mercedes. Brian, you get the next one too because you are Skip Barber reporter. Yeah, so uh, we go this time. Uh, the Skip Barber um, Formula I Racing Series goes to Road America. 
Um, and the race was really pretty much dominated by Mikhail Gaddy again. He wins both races, the sprint and the feature race. Um, the feature race was just, he completely dominated, wire the wire, never lost the lead, um, and, and was just uh, just amazing. Um, so it looks like Mikhail has got to be in the driver's seat for this uh, full-time ride in the Skip Barber um, that comes along with the championship in this uh, yeah. in this series so uh, i know he's european and uh so hope he's got his uh passport in order because <laughs> right. like he might be flying to the u.s to be a uh, full-time skip barber race driver and you would think like if something went wrong like he couldn't like he didn't have his passport or something then i would assume the guy in second would get it right so it's probably still important to try to you know race for the top five because of that you know well, there were other prizes for second and third in the fi- in the season. It was like I think there was some testing in the formula in the Skip Barber, um, and uh, some other stuff that was really uh, pretty lucrative. So that that had to deal with real world uh, driving experiences. So yeah, I mean, if Mikel's got this thing wrapped up, there's uh, still three more weeks to go. Even if he's got this thing wrapped up, you still got to race hard because there's some really cool stuff you can still win. Um, to uh, if you uh, if you finish strong in the top three. All right, the events calendar is pretty light. It looks like it got most of the recent stuff in the past. We do I do know we have the majors twenty four coming up pretty soon. Uh, we'll get you more details on that again maybe next time. But we do have it's about that time of year, right? Coming up in on May, the Indy five hundred special event. Um, it's known as the greatest spectacle in iRacing. The Indy 500 is one of the most prestigious of race events in the world. It's been held since 1911 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's a part of the NTT IndyCar Series in the United States. And this one is marked for May 13th to 15th. These are different start times than we've seen in some of the other uh, races. We've got a Saturday at 1 GMT. We've got a Saturday at 13 GMT. Saturday at 17 GMT and a Sunday at 13 GMT. Why do you think the different times? Um, well, it's not a, an endurance event, right? The, the endurance events have had kind of a standard setup. This is a, a solo event. That's just, just a 500 mile race. So it's, it's more lined up with something kind of like NIS where they're, they, they're trying to hit the time zones a little bit slightly differently instead of a 12 hour or 24 hour event. So this is the fixed Indy 500. So it'll be yep. the 13th through 15th. And then I assume the open, which isn't announced, is it'll be the following weekend. And it's uh, got to have D4.0 on, on the oval license. The sim start date is the 29th at 1230 p.m. And you uh, qualifying is separate for this. And you have to set a four-lap average. You have to have four clean laps. The only race on the service like that, right? Mm-hmm. And this one, the splits are only by qualifying time. I rating has nothing to do with it. I like that it has that unique quality um, where one race a year we do something different. You know, we do it by qualifying time instead of the I rating. And so, if you're if you're good and you have you've worked your set and you have a qualifying set, I mean, you can get to Indy top split even if you don't have the I rating. Or you can tank qualifying and uh, race with some guys who aren't quite as uh, up to your skill level. <laughs> That's true. And try to get you that Indy 500 win, right? Don't qualify. Well, I guess. Uh, so what happens if you don't qualify? Do they still seed you by I rating? Probably. 
Yeah, more than likely. The the non qualifiers are, are then done by I rating. Yeah, they would have to have something like that to make that work. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Okay, podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget the aftermath. Is there anything going on over there? Nothing yet. We are still on our little hiatus. Okay. Tony Rochette will be back in business soon. Don't forget the uh, website, iRacersLounge.com, and you can follow along visually. Don't forget our Discord channel, and don't forget to leave us reviews at the podcast platforms, guys. That helps us bump the podcast up to a higher level where more people see it. Our numbers have increased quite a bit um, here in 2022. We've gone up significantly. And we want to keep that rolling. So we appreciate our listeners uh, spreading the word about the iRacers Lounge. Make sure you tell everybody. We're also on Performance Motorsports Network. Well, Tony, did you have a dirty fantasy weekend? Oh, boy, did I ever. And you know what was uh, cooler? I was finally able to make the page. And so did you, Brian. You like rock yeah, this week. First time in the top 15. <laughs> this is where it starts. This is where you turn your fantasy career around. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty cool week. Um, I think um, even though dirt is only this is only second year in dirt for iRacing or I mean for um, for NASCAR, it's you still kind of have a good idea of who's really good at it, you know. And I think it made it a little easier. You'll notice that the points seem to be really high this week, and I think I think it's just because. You, you you pretty much knew going into it who the good dirt, dirt drivers were going to be. Except I guess I didn't. I, I'm actually dead <laughs> last this week. Did you put the picks in, Mike? I let them roll from one week to another, okay. actually. There so you go. there it is. He did. He didn't go through the dirt ringers. He just he just let his Martinville drivers uh hang over from last week. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta stay on those additions. You gotta make those changes. You definitely don't want your Martinsville guys in for the Talladega. Um, that's for sure, Mike. So you're gonna want to look at it this week. Um, who who do we got? A, Austin Dillon. That's right. Yep, you want him in there. So it looks like Greg was our top Tafosi uh, Tafosi uh, finisher in third place for the week. That's a good job for Greg. Yeah, and it looks like Tyler was the only other uh, Tafosi driver. So there's four of us up in the top 15. So that's that's not too bad. It's probably one of our better showings this year. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like um, the leader overall after after Bristol Dirt is uh, Mean Machines 38. He's got a, a pretty pretty decent sized lead over Scotty Boy. I know there's a lot recent to go, but you know for for you know, first quarter, third of the season, 
he's uh, building up some big points. Yeah, you're not lying there. There, um, he does have quite a gap. Like, that gap is bigger than you know most of the other gaps for the for the top ten. So, uh, what does that mean? Well, I mean he's he's got a bigger gap right now. Uh, does, yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean a whole lot more than that. But um, is he using up all of his uh, good drivers too? That you don't you don't know that yet. Right. Right. So yeah, like you know, time will tell here in about. Uh, I don't know. We we get through like June, uh, then things start to to get real interesting. You know, points wise, as you know, people start getting real low on on their top guys, or you know, running out of their top guys. So um, I'm going to throw this out there, guys. Um, I know we don't normally review the actual NASCAR races, but what did you think about that finish uh, with uh, with Tyler Reddick and? Uh, Coming, coming to you and just getting wiped out. Well, he got his clock, clock cleaned. <laughs> he got his clock cleaned. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a terrible move, um, and I was really disappointed in his reaction. Like Tyler was like almost made it sound like it was his fault that the guy wiped him out. You know, in the post race interview, I, I, I wanted to see a lot of Gibbs than, uh, than. Um, Tyler Reddick on that finish because that that if that doesn't if that doesn't call for throwing hands I don't know what does. Well, well you're right. That interview was something because I, I think he was just scared shitless. I think he I, thought he was going to get his ass kicked if he said anything. I don't know. He, uh, you're right. It was weird. I mean, there's being self-contained and not getting yourself in trouble by saying something on the on TV that's going to get you in trouble. And then there's looking, you know, wimpy. I mean, he looked like a wimp in that one. He, if, if any other driver had any second thoughts about wrecking um, Tyler Reddick, it's gone now because nothing's, nothing's going to happen. Uh, door bumper clear. Uh, you know, they, they really talked... I, what I thought, they, they really put a good perspective on this. Um, you know, what you're saying about that, like, Chase Briscoe, like, chased him down, you know, and did a really good job. Like, yeah, I mean, that that last great job bit. Catch, he, did, he did a great job catching him. And that's what but, Tyler was referring to. Like, he said he should have he done better managing those last, you know, 10 or 12 laps to not allow him to catch up like that. And, you know, as, as door bumper clear said, like chase got there, you know, he only had one lap left. What else was he supposed to do? Just sit back and be like, Oh, well I can't do it. And, you know, he did fire it in there, but he got down there. He's like, Oh, oh I shouldn't have done this. And that's, you know, pretty clear. So I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was like exciting. Um, yeah, I, it sucked, you know, take him out like that. Um, and I kind of liked how they both reacted at the end. Like just chase just went up to him. I don't think it made Reddick look weak. Um, like a Cheshire cat though. He, he didn't look like he even meant it to, to, he just looked like he was like, yeah, you, yeah, I just, I did this to you and you're going to take it and I don't care. Ah, uh, see, I saw that it from a totally reading. different Sorry. view. Yeah, I, I I read it totally different. Well, I don't know. It was a the, that last move Chase made was it was over it was the top. Match. I mean, it he was, should have 
you got to bring the car home. I mean, he just drove it in there like, let's just wreck him and see what happens. And right, it reminded exactly. me of the fast track race at Phoenix between Adam Jocelyn and Richard Lucky at the last lap. Same thing happened. But didn't yeah, Kyle Busch say it right? Uh, you know, a win's a win no matter how you get it. So send it. Yeah. Uh, well, or I back it in. I don't think Kyle, Kyle Bush would have uh, had the same reaction as Tyler Reddick did. I'm just just a hunch, but I don't think the, the, the reactions would be quite the same. Oh, even if it was Joey Logano, I mean, you know, fisticuffs would have happened. I mean, imagine if it was Tony Stewart on the receiving end of that. I mean, what would have happened? Yep, yep. And, that, and uh, you know, it, it, um, it makes me a little sad that you know the the drama of the race itself was really interesting. Even though I thought the the the, the hail mary that he threw was totally uncalled for, um, the drama was still really exciting to watch. But that excitement should have carried over at post race, and it didn't. And that was kind of a letdown for me, uh, just because I just thought he was just—I don't know if he was just trying to be too um, too restraint, you know, restrain himself too much or what, but. Um, yeah, that was just my opinion, and I thought uh, the post-race should have been a little bit more exciting than it was. Well, it was kind of funny that you, you were, they had the camera view of him sitting there talking to Chase, but the crew behind him, I mean, you, you could see they were ready to rumble. I mean, they were holding, they, they were, uh, the fuse was lit. I mean, they were ready to throw down, and, uh, and nobody made a move. It was all chicken shit, yeah. Richard Childress looked like he was ready to throw down. <laughs> okay, the first hardware topic we have today is actually software. It's called the Race Control app. They're releasing a new album alpha version of this software. We've talked about it before, but they've put out an update um, recently. So if you have this or want it, uh, make sure you get the updated version. Now, this is the one where you, it's, uh, you can actually have it uh, manage the the race like as an admin uh a way to throw cautions for road courses and things like that right yeah it's like a stewarding app um but basically yeah if you're an admin this is a must-have so just a quick hit on that the next uh quick hit was the race lab setup module so if you guys run race lab which i think is a free software they have dashes and different things they now have a setup module um, now, I haven't tried it, but uh, the features include a free module. Everyone can use it. It's community-driven. There's lots of stats about the setups. Majors garage setups will be uploaded every week for use. Um, anyone can upload their setup to support the great community we have. And then they show a post here with the screenshots of the, uh, of the software and, and how it looks and what it does and that kind of thing. And so it basically says, step one, search for your favorite car or series. Step two, choose it. Uh, choose the one you want to find setups for. Step three, click the download button. It goes right into the right folder. It's all automatic. Step four, race. Check out some awesome statistics. All right. Anytime we have motion, guess who we throw it to? Our motion guy, Brian. We got a Frex 2DOF head motion rig. 
Yeah, this isn't your typical uh, motion where uh, your rig is moving around. This is one of those Halo-type things for uh, to simulate the uh, G-forces in um, on your head as you're driving. Um, so it's um, it's uh, almost looks like a uh, like a like a flying saucer that goes around your head with four cables attached to it. So we've seen different versions of this um, throughout, but um, Frex seems like they are the people who. Um, uh, they're, they're claiming that they they have the, the the real deal, the best one. Nobody's done it this this well yet. So um, yeah, if uh, if that's what you want to want to uh, try to simulate, you know, you've got everything else rigged up. Um, you know, it still makes me makes me a little nervous having your head being yanked around forward, back, or left and right. But um, but these guys will do it for you if you're interested. It's called the Frex Two Dof Head Motion. Now, Remember if you that follow- Saw movie? Remember that Saw movie? <laughs> they, I don't watch they had this. They had this thing on on that guy. It didn't work out so well for him. Uh, that worries me. If you watch, uh, if you follow any of the drivers on on say their Instagram or any of their socials that like to post their workouts, you'll see them actually spend a day just working out their neck. They do, they do some crazy stuff just to strengthen that neck, especially the open wheel drivers. It reminds me of a thing like if you break your neck and they put you in traction and they have a big old halo around your head and it's something like that. I mean, and there's straps where, you know, your head, I, you know, it just looks very odd. Um, the, the strings that go front, back, left and right. Um, I'd like to just try it once just to see what it feels like, but uh, got to be a weird sensation. Where's a heavy uh, metal concert simulator? There you go. Headbanger. It's on your uh, volume switch. All right. Uh, speaking of simulators, a lot of people like to have a Jimmy Johnson spotter pack simulated in their ears. Uh, and there's been an update for it. Yeah. Version 7.3 is available. Um, 300 and new, new sound clips. And so get it. I mean, which one are you guys running? I'm still on the Aussie in built-in server right now i think i have one of the built-in ones because i tend to have it turned down low and let crew chief do most of the spotting i used to run the jimmy johnson cuss pack and then (laughs) yeah i I went yeah and I, i went to crew chief and um the other one and then when i uh stopped using those two uh digital race engineer that's the one i stopped using those two come back and kind of forgot about this so this was kind of nice to see i was like oh yeah let's get this in here this be way better maybe it's time for a change yeah i, I had the same reaction you did tony it's like man I, I remember racing that uh jimmy johnson cuss pack back in the day before you know before i started adding all these uh peripherals that needed all this extra stuff and the crew chief apps that i that i've been using so you know to, to have the uh, ability to communicate um vocally to uh to your crew chief so but when i saw this i was like oh man that was a cool app at the time and uh it's still pretty cool um it's just uh it it doesn't do a lot of the things that uh, i i require now so when you pick a third party spotter pack there's always the chance that they don't have a sound clip programmed for a particular spotter action that happens and he references that here. He says, there are a few event IDs that I couldn't get the trigger, so I'm not sure when they do. 
So I left the default for those as a good way to find out. So let me know if you hear the Aussie Greg at all. So what happens is if you have the Jimmy Johnson spotter pack and he didn't program it for a particular call, you're going to hear the original Australian spotter uh, for that call, uh, basically. But spotter packs are hard. There's a lot to do to make, make one. So, Yeah, I imagine it takes quite a bit of work. And, uh, it's really cool that these guys are doing that kind of stuff. All right, uh, Tony, how about you hit it, tell us about this uh, newest PlaySeat partnership? Oh, you would have me talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, NASCAR announced a multi-year cooperation with uh, racing and gaming seat company PlaySeat. Um, they say, through this partnership, PlaySeat is helping us introduce the sport to a new generation of fans, allowing a younger and more diverse audience to see the opportunities that sim racing and NASCAR both offer. Now, for that point, that's awesome, you know, to be able to have a company, you know, uh, to help make all this stuff happen, get more people uh, into sim racing, into racing general. Um, we, all, we all know we need the, the influx of people coming in. So if this is the way they got to do it. Personally, I hate play seat and I've made that perfectly clear in the past. Um, would love to see uh, um, pretty much any other company go at it um, just because their they're stuff's just too expensive for what you get. Anyways, whatever. I'm, they, they've got it. Uh, they, they got a good fan base, so it's, it's probably the best deal for them to go with. Um, so we'll see. It's good. It is a good thing. I just, I don't like play seat. My concern is, you know, that that entry level guy that we're going after, who's a NASCAR fan, who we're trying to get hooked on iRacing and, and e-NASCAR and all that. I mean, and he doesn't know better. And so he, he's only going to buy what he sees. And if, and this is what, you know, he's going to be presented because this, being marketed to him so is he going to know about sim, you know sim labs and advanced sim racing and some of the best cockpit manufacturers out there no he's not he's not going to have a clue about that stuff and so he's gonna he's gonna waste his money on this stuff that i feel bad about that part of it you know I, I, you know it's too bad that like you said if it was any other you know sim manufacturer besides this one i would probably be better with it yeah i don't know you get a company like Placey and you know I'm they can actually handle the you know a huge influx of um orders and stuff like that and unfortunately most of the other um uh rig guys just I don't think they could handle that that's true that's a good point too the volume mm-hmm all right, next up, we have the SimGrade Thera TBC uh, pre-order price of 870 euros. At best, I can tell these are load cell pedals, and that's on the high side for load cell pedals. But if you glance down and then take a look at their specs, uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, positives in the spec system, including another set of software that allows you to set up nonlinear response curves if you want, uh, some, uh, and a lot of other neat little features. They are nice black anodized aluminum. Uh, so it's on the high side, but it is feature pretty feature rich. Yeah, um, this is from Finland, and I think we've talked about this company before. But this is a new product uh, 
obviously, and it's on uh, pre-order. So, but uh, yeah, for load cell at that rate, I yeah, I don't know. Does it come with a plate? I don't even see a plate. I think there's one for thirty nine euro. I see, which is which is reasonable. There's some interesting things like it's got a brake pad disc gap fill simulation feature. Um, does come with a five year warranty that that's not bad actually it's pretty good but it doesn't beat a lifetime warranty right um it's all metal no plastic yeah. the, but there's no metal to metal contact on the end stoppers um it's got 16 different brake stiffness settings that are easy to adjust without a tool and eight separate throttle sensitive sensitivity adjustments um so I'd li- I'd like to see uh, you know Sim Racers Garage take a look at this uh, and really give it a, a once over. But the the promotion impresses me for a, for a set that of of load cell pedals. I would just really have to see them in execution. And the next thing we have is this a Sim Race video? Yeah, it is. Uh, Mike, you want to tell us about this one? Well, this is a motion um, called the Sigma integral dk2 plus now barry has done a review on the dk2 and now we have the dk2 plus and so his video basically breaks it down like usual and talks about the differences between these systems it's basically a a a d-box style you know uh four post Four post uh, actuator system with uh, uh, a two inch uh, mechanical stroke on the actuators. Um, this is a this is a pretty beefy upgrade from the original DK two. Um, it's got um, but but you're also paying for it. The motor is a lot stronger, and um, and the actual housing is a lot uh, more heavy heavy duty um but you're talking for the four great four assist the four actuator system is a 66.95 so it's almost six seven hundred dollars really um but um a very it's a it's a it's a well-made system um it's pretty much plug and play has its own software so um it's really easy to set up barry said he didn't have any troubles uh now a two inch two inch mechanical mechanical stroke on a um on an actuator it's not like on the high end as far as motion as far as the the movement so it's not a, a super high um high stroke system it's 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 relatively um meager in that point but you know it you, you do get you do get really solid quick motion with this system though yeah for the price though compared to some of the other ones i mean i don't know why it's so much more it is a different country right so i haven't figured out where they're from it doesn't look to be us though um i think it is it's california oh it um, is okay panoma pomona california is listed on the website well does that count as a different country <laughs> it might it's a different world, but no. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 on the high end. It's you know it's pushing close. It's it's, it's still not close to the D box brand, but um, it's certainly a lot more than some of the other systems we've seen. And um, I don't know if you're getting the uh, the the, um, the value out of all that extra money that you would be spending on this, but it's certain certainly worth looking into. Well, they got the DK6 available at, with a six-inch travel at $8,095. Holy how, cow. How far do yours travel, Brian? Um, they are 100 millimeters, so 
it's four and a half inches, something like that, close five inches. I'm guessing off the top of my head. And, you, and that that definitely feels sufficient, right? Yeah, yeah. And and those that company that made mine makes 150 millimeter um, travel, so you can upgrade from the one I had to like a really uh, tall motion, which is probably more than six inches, I think. All right, got to obviously pass the next one off to our DIY guy. We got some bezel-free kits, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I should have had his. Uh, this comes from uh, SW Sim Solutions, and they've got a. They're working on, anyways, uh, a bezel-free kit. Um, now with a lot of things and people, supply issues are. Um, hampering their lenticular lens uh acquirement so they're doing a uh, like a do-it-yourself kit where you just have to get that lens part yourself and they'll supply everything else um but it this one is a little odd um just because it is a it's a it's all a 3d printed one 3d printed deal which is not uh not bad in any regard um but it looks like he may be just trying to do this out of his house one guy type operation one printer operation because he's saying it's got about 20 hours of printing um so and he's gonna sell it on a first serve uh, first come first serve basis uh so <laughs> if this is the case you got a long way long ways to wait um to get your hands on one of these but uh if you got an old monitor, you know, kicking around, you can get these um, lenses out of there. Um, send this guy forty bucks; he'll send you the rest, and you just insert the lens, and you're rocking and rolling for your bezel-free kit. Um, if not, uh, you just got to wait a little bit till he can get his hands on some proper lenses, and uh, then they'll be available. That's SW Sim Solutions. It's like it's out of the UK somewhere. That is pretty interesting on this picture that the grid that he's got a th 3d grid of uh, some mountainous or hilly terrain. It looks like, you know, but kind of gridded out. And so you can see the topology and um, you act, it actually looks like it's one continuous monitor. The, the grid actually lines up from the angle he took it at. So I had purchased the ASUS bezel free kit in the past it, and I actually sold it. Um, because it's, it's, it was made for a very specific monitor with a very specific width of bezel. And even though my brand of monitor was Asus, I just, I just bought it anyway, thinking it would work, but it didn't because my, my, uh, bezels are pretty darn thick. Um, so that's why I got rid of it. Now, what this guy is offering is the, the PC's 3d printing is the piece that holds the clear plastic and uh, it's a neat design. Now the original design of the ASUS bezel free kit didn't have the bar that goes from the top to the bottom and he's got them connected. It looks like with a, a bar that um, that basically connects the top uh, mount to the top mount and helps stabilize them. Now the, the pieces that ASUS had given me, there's no such thing. It would just clamp around the top of the monitor. It would always fall loose. It would, if you shook anything or bumped anything, they would fall to the ground. It was just a bad design. So 
I'd like to take a moment and point out he's got a neat design here because the way he attaches the two together so it's stable and doesn't fall apart really takes it to the next level. The other thing is there's a lot of people looking for Asus bezel-free kits and there's none on the market. They, they don't sell them anymore. And so uh, I think that's kind of the reason that he started this because um, there is some demand out there of people looking for a solution. Um, now, the, the clear plastic part, you can get this out of any old broken TV yourself if you take it apart. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. I guess I should have talked a little bit more of how it's mounted. And, Will, with your uh, personal experience with the with the Asus brand, um, it, the, the back, it would be... Um, wouldn't really matter what type of monitor that you run, what size, what brand, or anything, because it's um, you know very similar to a turnbuckle. Um, you just spin the one part, and it will it will tighten to whatever monitor that you have. You're right. It, I think this is uh, opens up multi-brand, uh, whatever. As long as it the, got that thinner width of bezel, I think you're going to be okay. If you got the real thick ones, like half inch, like I got, it, it doesn't work. But if, if you got the thin ones, I think any brand will work. And, and some of the comments, you'll see people, hey, I want to put this on my 32s. Hey, you know, does it work on 24s and different sizes? And well, sure. I mean, you just, it's customizable and, and, the, and he can make it to whatever length. Yeah, you can see that this guy is uh, into the DIY because his uh, triple monitor mount is is custom made out of wood and and door hinges. If you if you look at uh at the at the picture behind his monitors, so uh, yeah, he's his guy's a, a, a do it yourself kind of kind of fella. Now, what a what a cost effective way to solve <laughs> the monitor problem, right? Yeah, and, and that was part of why I didn't like that Asus kit, was the, the way it mounted, and it always would fall apart and different things. And so, I mean, if if I had the right monitors, and, and, and uh, you know, I'd be interested in maybe getting these 3D printed from him. All right, Mike, it looks like we got an update on the, the uh, wheel that you ordered a while back from Cube Controls. Yeah, you know, I... I haven't heard from cube controls and if you recall i bought it march 2nd it said on the website when i ordered it that they wouldn't ship until mid-april well come april 16th right past the midpoint of the month i haven't heard from them i go into the facebook group cube control owners and i posted hey any word on when they're going to ship Did anyone buy in this batch well uh interestingly enough a day later Cube Controls themselves uh, commented um, on the post, and they said, hey, they are coming, guys. We were waiting for some minor components. They were supposed to be here a few days ago, but you know the global situation to close all the wheels. We are working at full speed. And he does show a picture of uh, several dozen F-Pro wheels. It uh, looks like, uh, you know, sitting on a table face down, um, you know, in some kind of assembly line uh, to put them together. Uh, it's always good to see a company kind of staying in touch with its customers and, and, and the public. You know, that's always a good sign. So good on them for that. I would yeah. have liked an email from them, though, at, at mid-April to say something. You know, hey, we're we're close or something. You know, I, I, I was a little peeved that I had to go asking, but I digress. 
it was a, a little over a thousand dollars I spent, you know, and when you spend money like that, you, you want communication, like you said, but kudos for them to be in that group uh, and to be looking at those posts and responding. That was nice. All right. Next up, Brian, we've got the Gomez quick release. Yeah, this is the GS one or GSI QSR one. It's a, 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 they call it a proper motorsports grade quick release uh, made for the, uh, for the sim racers. And um, yeah, it is, uh, it's a neat looking system and it looks like it pops in real easy. Uh, it, those, um, these type of quick releases, it's, it's all the, the pictures might look really good, but you know, it's one of those things that you got to see it in action, see what kind of play there is to see, to, to see how well it uh, actually holds up. But I mean, if you go by anything that Gomez makes as far as their wheels and stuff, everything is like top quality, top quality product. So I imagine this is going to be a pretty, pretty good too. It doesn't look any different in design than the one we saw from that Australian company. I think it, high performance maybe i forget the name of it um also doesn't sim labs have something just like this too so i don't know if it's a a carbon copy or the uh, you know a, it's their take of a of a similar design but all these kind of look the same uh, from what i can tell there's zero play and after i saw this product this week i was real i, I kind of paid attention to my fan attack hub that sucker has play in it. And I'm, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, I spent all this money on the, on the sim labs cockpit to have zero play in the wheel, none. And then all the play I feel is right in the hub. And, and that's the way that it's designed, you know? And so I would love to be able to buy one of these, especially for my new wheel, but would it work? I don't think it would. I'd get now, no feedback. Yeah. You wouldn't get the feedback because there's no electrical connection. Right. Um, it's uh, running at two hundred and ten dollars, um, so it's uh, you know, it's not not inexpensive by any means, but it's not that much Why? different than the than the hub. <laughs> it's not much different in price than like the Fanatec premium uh, hubs are. Why? Yeah. Why has it got to be so much money? Two hundred and ten dollars, and I got to imagine this is American. Yes, it is. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm looking at. I'm on Amazon Canadian version. NRG, which will like work perfectly with my wheel, and um, like the most expensive one I see is one hundred and seventy-two dollars. This is a ripoff of NRG, isn't it? The design. I mean, that's what I was thinking of before. That's the one that um, Sim Magic and all those China uh, wheel manufacturers are using now. Yeah, and like mine's rock solid. It does not move. There is no wiggle. There is no nothing. Goes on and off, super super easy. It's it's great. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't understand like two hundred and ten dollars, you know, American. That's like, you know, probably like eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars Canadian. But it's a lot of money. I don't understand why it's got to be so much. And if you have more than one wheel, you need two of them, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Unless you want to <laughs> take your screwdriver out every time to right. You got to do that. Yeah. yeah. This next one is fascinating. Uh, we've covered quite a few projection simulators that kind of project into kind of a, a curved space, right? Well, why project when you can just use an LED screen and just curve the monitor? These guys have got these monitors that they can just 
just bend by hand. It's insane. And uh, you can use it for flight sims. You could definitely have it just kind of a good wrap around, almost better. Got to be better than triples, single wide monitor. Uh, this is looks really cool. They're like they're like Lego, right? Because you can stack them, um, make make them as big as you want. But they all like they bend both ways, convex and concave. So, like whatever you want to do with those darn things, like it it's it's your it's your playground. It's freaking cool. This is like triples on steroids. You know, that's the way I would say it. I mean, this is like, hey, you want something better than triples? This is it. Okay, because we found so we've seen this video before on TikTok. We we talked about it on a show, but we didn't know where it was from or what it was or anything. But now we know where to buy this. Okay, so it's a company in Lakeland, Florida. It's called VanguardLED.com, and they call it Vanguard Cerium Cylinder. And it's a curved LED wall for simulation purposes, 220 degree of FOV, basically. Um, 16 foot diameter, eight foot high. So you like you got to have a room to put this in. Yep, it's a it's a 600 it's 6.55 arc minutes. Uh, you don't have to blend the LED display from. It's just one unit that you'll seamlessly highly detailed. Um, the images are not affected by ambient light. That's another feature of led. They're always sharp. Uh, you don't have to replace bulbs. You only have to set it up once. Whereas multiple projectors require constant adjustment. LEDs are also really power efficient. So a lot of pluses on these. No price listed. And you know what that means, right? <laughs> well, it's probably going to be in Denny Hamblin's right price range. Just the fact that they can do this, um, you know, it's it's these guys doing it right now. Like they've, I just the future, right? Like you know how things go. Like they'll figure it out, make it cheaper, make it better, smaller scale, more of a consumer type product. Because this is obviously not for your general, you know, not for like you and I. But um, you know, within a couple of years, maybe this is like going to replace you know our monitors. We'll get it down to our size. We just start clipping monitors together. So in a previous job, I used to be a director of audiovisual at a hotel and put on corporate events. And we had the ability to subrent and use LED walls um, like this with the same technology, but not ones that bend. They were flat back then. They didn't bend. So I could make a flat wall on a stage and put some cool stuff up on it, you know, video. And it was, it was like, it was probably the coolest video thing you could spend money on in a hotel corporate environment. It was ultra expensive too, to, to rent it. And so I'm sure the price is high, but the fact that, you know, today in 2022, they have the same thing, but it, it bends, you know, like, like Tony was saying, so you can get this concave, you know, 3d, you know, wrap around kind of half circle screen. It's, it's freaking cool. They do have rental options. I'm, I'm taking a look at their overall products and the, this, the Sirium cylinder is just one option. They've, they've got a whole lot of different options. So uh, 
yeah, pretty neat option. It probably out of out. I know it's out of my price range or any of ours, but I don't know. Maybe Brian might go for it. I was going to say, if you didn't have a budget, I mean, wouldn't it be cool to like just have an empty room, have them build one of these things in it, and you drop a eighty twenty rig right in the middle of the room? And you might race. be might be one of the only things that would get me out of VR, but but I still I love my VR. Now the pictures they show are of, of flight sims, of course, and I, I man, it would look really cool on a flight sim too. I bet. So it, it seems like this would be a lot better than a projector, you know, as far as a production. But you know, couldn't you get, get the same sort of thing from a good projection for a lot less, though? You're right. We don't know the price, uh, and I bet you it's at a lot. I, I have no idea what the. Uh, I would say at least fifty grand. That's just a guess, but. I just don't know if the image would be as sharp, sharp of a projection, and you would have to adjust. I mean, the, you know, that's that's uh, the number one lesson of life, right? You get what you pay for. Right, that's true. It's results time, Mike. Let's uh, start off with some Bristol on Friday. Bristol Dirt. I can't believe it. I got my first win of the year, P1. I was probably lucky uh, that it was an ex-teammate behind me, um, and he has some trustworthiness. And it was uh, Carlos Fonseca, who actually uh, used to be on this podcast for a long time back in the day. Uh, thanks, Carlos, for racing me clean, um, but also making me earn it. You know, when I entered the room, I told my guys, hey, if I'm going to win this race, I'm going to have to beat Carlos. He's going to be the got car to beat. And he, and he was the car to beat. I was right about that. At the end, um, he could have plowed me, but he didn't. He's not that kind of guy. You know, he could have drove it in there like uh, Chase Briscoe did, you know, some ridiculous dive bomb thing and took me out and him out. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. So I was able to win the race. Thank you, Carlos. Um, anyway, uh, the restart before the last was when I took that lead and I had made some really good crossover and slide job moves to do that. I was being ultra aggressive. I knew that was my moment and, and I, and I pulled it off. Um, first win of the year, 79th career win. Um, the stats were actually calling it an oval win, but, uh, because I went and looked at my dirt wins and I had one in 2020 and I'm like, Hmm. So I guess the Bristol is counting because it's NIS at the oval. But uh, anyway, I had won once before. Um, so this would be my second overall dirt win, I, I guess I'll call it. Um, but I was really proud that I could uh, back up those good runs that I had earlier in the week on Thursday and, and Wednesday. Um, but I, you know, I never thought that my first win of the year would, would be Bristol dirt. That was a surprise. We're not going uh, to read them all, but you did list off a bunch of stats and it basically looks like you're a plate dude, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I did list off my stats because I wanted to figure out what tracks have I won at. So it's been Bristol, Darlington, Richmond, Michigan, Vegas, and then Tally and Daytona and Tally and Daytona actually make up 71% of my wins. 
And so, yeah, I guess I am a plate guy when you look at it that way. I also realized this is the 10th anniversary of NIS. Uh, we started NIS in 2013. Uh, the first Daytona 500 was run that year. That year, there was only NIS fixed. Um, in 2014, they started the uh, open and the fixed. But uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, 10 year anniversary. So cool. Pretty epic little piece of history there. Uh, Tony Rochette, he came in P8. He said he's the uh, first time he ever tied for the pole. He said he was stuck in fourth for most of the race until they actually had more than a five lap run. Third place, ran out of talent, hit the wall, and then into him, gave him a 20 second required, uh, and it made him a lap down. So he was super frustrated from that. P8 a lap down ain't terrible, though. Tony Groves, gymnastics finish. Yeah, yeah, I really there. couldn't stick the landing, so I had to go home. Uh, <laughs> it was a, it's just basically uh, bumper cars. Um, a guy had uh, used me up, took me out on the inside. I ended up rolling uh, a whole whack of times, which is a lot of fun in VR. Um, landed upside down. So I said, okay, time to go. Me and Adam were up in the, I think, the top split on this one, or we might have been second split, I'm not sure, but uh, ended up with unavoidable meatballs. Somebody towards the front, we were running okay right around 9th or 10th. Somebody wrecks and is just right in the way and and actually collects us both in one swoop. Ouch, pain. And then Sunday open, David P14. Yep. Uh, I fluctuated here between 20th and about uh, eighth or so uh, it was definitely a caution fest top split and just spent most of the race trying to survive uh, and was able to bring it home 14th and in this field I, w- I wasn't too disappointed in that alright Sunday fixed P5 I ran as high as P2 before getting hit from behind Got I went back to 21st uh, but, but quickly made my way forward uh, lots of late carnage and, and I gained a bunch of spots back um, but I was I was running good I was you know it felt good to win Friday and then Sunday fix I was in contention there until I got wrecked Tyler uh, Williamson ran with me he got P6 he said got dumped running P2 going for the win third place tagged me ended up finishing sixth. hashtag so close that brings us to Talladega week. David, let's start out with you, P7. Yeah, uh, decent run. Uh, I, I tend to do okay at plate tracks too. I can find myself getting in a good position. We had a green-white checkered at the end, and I actually got hit in the caution leading to that. Just uh, the, cars, the cars in the front got sideways, bounced off the wall, hit me hard on the right front. I had no horsepower damage. I, I had the max... Uh, maximum RPMs, but the wheel was actually bent. It was pointed to the right a little. Uh, and I, I didn't specifically announce that to the field, but I, I said uh, I don't want to lead. I'm just going to try to stay in this in this front pack for the green-white checkered. But at some point the way it worked out, a guy was ready he just he just called for me to break out and we, we I went ahead and tried it with him, but it, you know, with that kind of damage, the car is just not going to go to the front in uh, even being pushed so 
ended up coming across P7. We did have a nice clean finish with like like four wide and everybody was able to hold their lines and not turn it into the your typical everybody dies coming across the start finish line though. So that part was pretty neat. And again, you know, I'll take it as a, as a decent finish and set it up to, to ride comfortable for the rest of the weekend. All right. Man, I wrecked out. It was around lap 50. I'm running about seventh. The guy behind me dives to the inside and clips me because I had just, I had went just a hair high and I guess he thought he could take it, but I was there. I mean, the guy in front of me kind of weaves up and back down. And I'm kind of trying to stay in the draft. So I weave up and back down and that was a mistake. And I, I learned my lesson to protect that inside. I was being lazy and not paying attention, to be honest and uh got turned you know out of the i didn't even see the guy turn me i was turned and didn't even realize it and it was ugly i i walked away steaming came back to watch tyler williamson at the end of his race and spot him and he gets his first ever win in nis and i cannot tell you how satisfying it is to spot somebody to a win I mean, I came in there with a few laps to go and he's running like 12th and he's got damage and he, he, he acts like he has nothing for this win. I mean, he, he, and so I'm pumping him up. I'm giving him confidence. I'm talking strategies. What are we going to do? You're never going to go low. You're going to go high. You're going to, if that lane comes, you're going to get up in front of him. You know, and I'm talking him through these different scenarios that we're winding down the laps. Hey, it's three to go. Hey, you know, watch that upper lane. If it comes, get in front of it. And so he pledged to listen to what I was saying, and he did what I was saying. So that helped. But he made some boss moves, too. Like last lap, down the back, he's in second. He gets right on the right rear of the leader, and, and which just stalls him out just enough where he can get to the outside of him and go around. And so kudos to tyler i always knew he was a winner he freaking proved it he belongs on this team everybody on this team is a winner and uh it was so fun to watch the exubilation of him in that moment and his first win uh you know he's been racing a little over a year in nis and so it was very satisfying congratulations tyler and there was another uh this was the race, actually, where you guys had a celebrity celebrity sighting in the uh, split as well, right? Yeah, Tim Duggar was in there. He got wrecked out. He was right in front of me, too, when it happened. And uh, we were all trying to get to the bottom. And, and the guy uh, on the outside just literally turned himself off of uh, Tim Duggar's nose and spun him out and wrecked him out. But before that, it was kind of Tyler was able to race with uh, Tim and then ended up... Uh, talking to him over caution once and so that was a neat treat for him as well is that the guy who has like 21 kids is that the duggars no he's a country music singer okay i got you <laughs> oh yeah yeah all right so that covers friday how do we do on uh, oh. thursday oh no it doesn't cover friday rochette ran didn't he no wednesday that, oh no we're we're on oh, uh, wednesday get my days mixed up yeah that covers almost covers wednesday but rochette did run he uh got caught in a spinning wreck with 30 minutes of required repairs and you're not going to sit around after that yep and then thursday open tony and i ran i wrecked out <sighs> i led the most laps 
And on the last restart, I was purposely on the high lane. So, and I wasn't leading because I was on the high lane, but uh, I was leading that outside lane. That's where I wanted to be for the end of the race. I was got pushed to the front and then the guy that was pushing me, he, he, you know, I don't know if it was on purpose or inadvertently, but regardless, his bumper, he, he took his bumper up to the right corner of, of mine and then swiped it down to the left corner. And then obviously uh, it turned me hard right into the wall. I was leading the race, coming to the white, and I got turned hard right into the wall. And so that's a tough one to, to swallow. Uh, it was about 10 minutes damage. Tony Rochette uh, wrecked by the leaders going three wide into turn one on lap six. He did get his yearly Dega pole and was pushed out of the leader by a dumbass beep Iberian that while just hanging out, they went three wide for the lead. The middle car lost and fell back and wrecked about half the field. Let's talk other series uh, runs. Uh, we ran a open. I ran it Tuesday night as a warm up for NIS P3. Actually led 20 laps, but didn't make the right moves near the end to get me in the right spot. Nonetheless, a good finish and a start for the week. Tony Rochette, P5 and A open, got checked up on the outside on the white, and then he ran again and got another P5, was the leader till uh, the front, till front when my pusher stopped pushing. Uh, B fix, Tony Rochette, P1. What a way to start Dega week, first ever B class win, made my move on the outside on the white. Then it was C fix, Tyler Williamson, P3 in the trucks, almost had a chicken dinner. I did run some Chris, Chris McGuire hosted over the weekend. It was Pro Fours, Pro Ford trucks at Bristol Dirt P2. I, there's something about Bristol Dirt in me that's getting along, but uh, I almost won that race. That was a blast, by the way. About leagues, David. Yeah, we ran for the fast track. We ran pavement instead of dirt at Bristol, and. Um, it put me in a, dis a little bit of a disadvantage because I, 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 by the time we usually get to this race, I've, I've run really fine-tuned everything, right? Just just on how well I can run the track, what I know, what I expect the traffic to do, all that. A lot of that wasn't there, so I felt like I struggled earlier. It was kind of slow, but I did finish P8. Um, was pretty slow except for the super long runs. So that, along with some pit strategy and survival, gave me a, finish, a better finish than I thought the car was really good for. Uh, and though it wasn't Mike Ellis this time, my first strategy, pit strategy instinct about a wave around was right more than not. And uh, I didn't let somebody else talk me out of a, my choice and it paid off in the long run. So, I mean, I'm not 100%, but generally the, the first instinct in those kind of situations that are not an absolute coin toss have, have worked out for me. All right. And then Adam was P9. Greg, he got wrecked out. Uh, as far as my race, I had spun down and hit the wall, so I pitted on the first caution just for damage. I made double sure my tires are unchecked. I literally did. I swear to God, I checked it before I rolled on the pit road. Yet, guess what? It still gave me tires. So then I ended up taking a wave by uh, on a caution, but then never caught another one after that. Uh, once out of fuel, um, I pitted and 
got some 40 second pit penalty followed by another speeding penalty and i just parked it out of frustration because i had used up my tires when i didn't need to and then i got all these penalties and i don't get the tire thing i don't know why that keeps happening to me it's happening either when there's a pen it seems to be happening when there's either a penalty or a lot of repairs because in this scenario it was just repairs yeah it ha it's happened to me twice when i was serving a penalty and I, and I know it was cl cleared because I had it all cleared to make sure that the time was lower, right? Yeah, like if you have a 15-second penalty and you do, and you turn the windshield on, it turns into a 40-second penalty. So I know that it stayed at, I know that it, at least the penalty mechanism stayed at 15 seconds. It didn't bump up to 40, even though it's giving tires. So there's definitely something broken there. I just, I, I need to... I need to get the stream going again and catch it on stream and also, and also get the replay and get it into tech support. I think I'm going to go in the app I and I and uncheck the automatically check tire thing um, as a workaround. I don't know if that will help. And uh, that may have an unintended consequence of you forgetting to get tires half a dozen times. That's true. Maybe I'm just messing myself up if I do that. Good point. Let's talk uh, Full Throttle Sim Racing League. Our man, Stephen Lou Allen, gets it done. He wins over there at Bristol Dirt in the Bristol Dirt 125. Congratulations, Steve. It's a nice screenshot on the script here. Yep, and then we had the OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. It's Tom Ogle with the win. Al Turner, second. Josh Robinson, third at Talladega. And that's it. So let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, well, uh, I see some light at the end of the tunnel here as far as how busy I've been. So uh, I think uh, this weekend I'll make my return behind the wheel um, at Talladega. Um, I still got a lot going on, but I don't need to do a whole lot of prep work for Talladega. So I'll definitely get some time in this weekend and uh, look forward to, to doing a lot more racing in the near future. So, uh, Hopefully, I'll see some some of you guys out there on the track. All right, get out there and David Hall. Final thoughts. Uh, come on our Discord, and uh, once again, I can't stress how good of a product the Sim Coach pedals are. Uh, I am a customer. I I was the first customer. I was kind of the guy who found them when my pedals broke. Um, and not on, not only that, their customer service rocks. So if you're in the market for pedals use our code and you can get 10 percent off and i mean they're high-end pedals so that 10 percent is a big chunk of cash uh so go buy some sim coaches and use our code yeah built in u.s sold in the u.s you know spin locally i like that all right tony groves final thoughts i want to talk about uh a save the date for the project k9 hero 200 at michigan international speedway that's our uh well, fundraiser race that we've been, uh, this will be the third year running. Um, well, this is uh, Rochette's deal that he runs. And tent I'm going to say tentatively, I'm, I'm sure this is the date that he wants, but he's saying it's uh, June 11th. So we'll, we'll get a little bit more of a, a formal thing onto the script in the coming weeks when we get um, uh, more of the details hammered out. But we got it started, so we just want to put that bug in everyone's ear. Um, it's been a great race uh, the last couple of years that we've done it. Lots of fun. And uh, I don't see this one being any different. All right. Uh, 
I got two of my favorite shirts from that race. And so, yeah, looking forward to another third year. Uh, what a, a great cause, too. So that'll be fun. Okay, my final thoughts. Wow, Bristol Dirt. I can't believe my 79th career win on a dirt race. In NIS, I mean, I don't think I ever even thought NASCAR would be on dirt a couple of years ago or before before all this started, you know. But uh, I'll take it, you know. A win is a win is a win. Um, Talladega's this week is my bread and butter. I feel kind of bad that I haven't been able to close the door yet and get it done. But I have one more shot uh, tomorrow night for the Open. I feel highly confident based on my two runs so far. But I got to say, winning is, is sweet in NIS, but spotting a win in NIS on a restrictor plate for a teammate, I want to say is almost as good. I mean, I was, I had all the same emotions that when I win. I mean, I was pacing around afterwards and couldn't go to sleep and I was up all night, you know, I was just fired up, you know, about racing and about winning and uh, to, to help Tyler, you know, get that goal accomplished, man, I, this feels so good. And I, I feel like I had something to do with his win um, because like I said, it, when I came in there, he wasn't confident. He didn't feel like he was going to be able to get to the front, but we got it done. and. Man, that is such sweet, that victory. So um, it makes you want more, and that's what we do every week. So let's go get them. Stack them up, and we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.